Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 193. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Damien O'Carroll. Welcome along, Damien. Thank you very much for uh, for joining me on the podcast today. Um, maybe just to fill in our listeners, you let us know um, what you're in, involved in. You're, you're a journalist uh, focused on the automobile world. Indeed, yes. I, uh, I write regularly for the New Zealand Herald's Driven section. I've um, got my own website called Oversteer, which is focused solely on cars and I've, I've been doing this for about eight years now so I've been floating around for a while. Excellent, well, thanks very much for joining me. Now you, you're quite a tech enthusiast too and yeah we can tell that by your new uh, Galaxy Gear sitting on your on your wrist and the various uh, gadgets you, you tend to play with. Um, any particular items at the moment that are sort of your, uh, your favourites? I have to say the Gear is a particular favourite at the moment but um, the S5 is, a, is another new toy. That's keeping me happy at the moment. Good. Now, uh, topics to discuss uh, this week. First up, Tesla. Now, for for some time, uh, yeah, they've offered a, a long warranty from a from a, a year's perspective, uh, but they've just just announced in their Model Model S their drive unit warranty has now gone to eight years and unlimited miles. What do you think of this? Is this something that is to be expected? It's it's certainly you know, pretty unique in the industry, isn't it? It is really. I mean, as we were sort of discussing it earlier, I mean, you would expect an electric engine, to, electric motor rather, to, to go for a fairly long time without much problem. Um, I mean, Mitsubishi actually offer a 10-year warranty on a lot of their, well, all of their vehicles, in fact, at the moment. So um, it's not completely out of the the realms of believability but um it certainly is a point of difference for for tesla yeah i think it's a it's a it's a good sign um do you have any um any thoughts on uh, you know electric evs electric vehicles and uh you know whether we're, we're whether we're likely to uh, uh see a lot of movement a lot of interest in that within the new zealand market or do you think our uh, electricity is maybe a, a bit a bit expensive and it's going to uh it's going to hinder it I think it's more a matter of, of distance in New Zealand, basically. Um, I mean, Tesla themselves have set up a, a extensive network of, of charging stations across the US, which has certainly helped with their popularity over there. Um, I think the the electric range extender vehicle with a, a combustion engine is actually more the way it's going to be the in New Zealand, and the, certainly in the near future. Um, electricity costs obviously has a lot to play with it, but um, it's just... Range anxiety is a big feature in New Zealand. People just really get nervous. But what most people don't actually realise is something like the Holden Volt, which is a very, I mean, it hasn't sold terribly well, but it's a great car. It's got a range of 60 kilometres on battery alone, and that's actually more than the average person's daily commute anyway. So you're quite capable on a day-to-day basis of just running it with electricity, but it's that big cross-country journey that, that New Zealanders like to think they do, whether or not they actually do it, that's the limiting factor at this stage for electric cars. So I think certainly in the near future, the range extender, like the BMW i3 and i8, the Volt, the Mitsubishi Outlander, things like that have got a much, much stronger future than a pure electric car at this stage. 
All right. Now, Samsung, you're obviously a bit of a bit of a fan there with, the, with your S5 and uh, your, your Galaxy Gear. Um, we've just just heard uh, the last few days around the uh, the Samsung uh, Galaxy Alpha, and it seems like a little bit of a change here from uh, from Samsung in terms of uh, yeah launch launching a device that's much more well iPhone like really uh, and you know in, in, in terms of the bill we're used to uh, you know these plasticky phones and there certainly seems to be a, a, a mix of responses I you know I quite enjoy the uh, uh, using a Samsung but I know there's some people that uh, you know really sort of disliked that uh, the, the plastic style phone do you think this is going to going to help Samsung to win uh, win more more hearts and minds or uh, you know are iPhone and Apple fans always iPhone and Apple fans I yeah I don't know I mean I I'm an Apple fan I've got Macs I've got iPads and iPods but I've never actually owned an iPhone um, I've always been a Samsung fan there and certainly in, in terms of that I love Samsung I love the way they work I love what they do but I have always hated the cheap plasticky feel to them I mean the, the S5 there I've got a case on that hides all the horrible fake chrome and the nastiness that I dislike about it but um, and certainly when I I read about this alpha coming out shortly it made me stop and think should I just wait Uh, certainly sounded tempting but I uh, from what I have had read about it the specs didn't seem that exciting Um, it's it looks like it's a very nicely built phone love the idea of the metal chassis but for what you're probably going to be paying for it don't know don't know. So do you think? It, I mean, it, it seems like it's um, yeah. To some degrees, it's it's a it's a it's a fashion statement, isn't it? In terms of the way the way that it's being built, and um, yeah, I think there are a couple of names: Galaxy S five Prime, Galaxy F. Um, but yeah, lo- lowest lowest lower uh, uh, yeah specs and so on than uh, than what what we've seen with the S five. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to see the impact, but I think you know what Samsung are very good at doing is covering all of the bases and having having one of everything. So you can you can go to Samsung and if you want a small screen phone, you want a cheap phone, you want a top of the line phone, uh, yeah, they've got something to uh, um, yeah fulfil most wishes, and this I guess just fills in another gap, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um like I, say, I would love it if I could buy an S5 with a, a nice, shiny, or matte rather, metal finish. It would thrill me no end, but I don't know if I'd necessarily pay a lot of extra money for it. Um, and But yeah, like you say, literally they've got some a, a different size for every pocket or bag if you're getting up to the larger sizes. But um, yeah, and that is probably the beauty of Samsung is it's something for everyone and they can just churn out a new size or a new shape or a new new finish if they need to but yep now we've got um on the sort of a related note of course um nokia's lumia 930 that we've we've got here that that's got that real sort of you know nice metal uh edging to it uh as one of the newest uh newest handsets out um and then there's uh htc's one m8 which is you know has gained a lot of attention as being a really nice stylishly built phone, and uh, just in the last uh, today actually uh, you know we've seen through the the formal launch of, in the US of the um, HTC One 
uh, W8, which is exactly the same as the one M8, but running uh, running Windows Phone. What's uh, what's your thought on a on a Android phone that's got basically got Windows uh, Windows on it? I think from what we can tell so far, it's only been uh, been announced on one carrier in the US. Uh, but yeah, Microsoft seemed to have done a whole lot of work to to yeah basically make it very possible for any Android maker to uh, uh, make a handset available also with uh, with Windows. Do you think there's going to be much interest in this, considering the sort of small market share that Windows Phone's got? Yeah, again, it's an interesting one. I guess it's it's like the Samsung approach, and you, you cover every base, don't you? But, um, yeah, I mean, with the Windows Phone was would certainly have interested me, but I think, again, the lack of, of, sort of third-party support for apps and the like is, is the biggest restricting factor at this stage, because, let's face it, we all love Apple and, and Android simply because of that vast range of apps that they offer. Um, I, again, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Mac guy when it comes to computers, so there's no real strong appeal for me for a Windows phone, but I have got a, a friend who who's um, recently abandoned all his Apple gear and gone to Windows and had a Windows phone, absolutely loved it. Um, I believe he may have dropped it and killed it, but he's gone back to Android again. But he certainly, did, he certainly did like the Windows Phone while he had it. So yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, there's 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 a niche for everything in the phone market, really, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, now going going back to uh, back back to the topic of 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 cars, or getting onto the topic of cars, um, the uh, the chief of, of MakerBot, who who make a lot of the three D uh, printers, and they've gained a lot of attention around their, their products. Um, one of their founders has said that. Uh, he thinks it's self driving cars, and you know, I guess their whole broader picture of of cars getting safer and safer um are going to spur a need for 3d printed organs so i guess what he's saying is we're not going to have so many corpses in the future um from car accidents and uh we're going to need to find other ways to uh uh, to get organs because there aren't going to be so many uh Organ donors. Do you think this is a reality, or or is it just too many years off before we're really going to see, uh, you know, uh, any major further uh, reductions in in the road toll, sort of New Zealand and globally? Is this? Yeah, where, where are you at on this one? Well, it's, it's an interesting sort of uh, upside or downside. I don't know. I suppose <laughs> the safety, but um, yes, I, I don't think we're going to see a, a massive reduction overnight simply because of of self-driving for a start we're not going to see self-driving cars overnight they're still a fair way away even though uh, a lot of the the high-end cars coming out now are technically capable of of driving themselves it's simply regulation that stops them from from being able to do that Um, it's Still a fair way away. I mean, I know America is struggling at the moment with legislation of, of what is actually allowed as far as self-driving cars go. Does a person have to technically still be in charge and pay attention, or can they lie in the back seat and have a sleep, which is, I think, what we all want from a self-driving car, something that we can just ignore and let it get on with the driving. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting idea because... Theoretically, if we do reduce the road toll, that, that is going to take a, a massive chunk out of our 
ability to for organ replacements and the like. I don't know about 3D printing, though. Growing them on the back of a mouse or something is probably the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's, there's always uh, moving back to uh, corporal punishment. That would uh, that would generate some more uh, some more organs, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, you would think so. I don't, know, I don't know how many people would be too thrilled about getting an organ from someone who's done something that horrible, but, I mean... Depends what organ it is, I, su- I, I suppose. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> All right. Um, now um, on to uh, on to more serious things. Um, Motorola's uh, Moto three sixty. This is their Android Wear uh, smartwatch. Uh, it's gained quite a bit of bit of attention, um, and and I think you know one of the one of the first uh, Android Wear devices that we've heard about. Uh, I think it's a, it's very close to launch now. We're looking a couple of weeks out. Um, but uh, Best Buy in the US have apparently accidentally uh, leaked all the details. We're hearing uh, launch price $249, so a little bit more expensive than some of the other products. Uh, that said, looks absolutely stunning, looks gorgeous. Uh, one and a half inch backlit, round LCD display, which is just totally uh, unique. And uh, Gorilla Glass 3, which I guess we you know, see on so many other things, it's not too much of a surprise. Uh, optical heart rate uh, monitor, which Samsung are doing that sort of thing too. Pedometer, Bluetooth 4. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you going to be uh, queuing up for uh, for one of these next time you're in the States? Uh, look, I, I mean, if, if anything, I'm at least as big a watch nerd as I am gadgets and cars. So... Uh, yeah, I, I I absolutely love this thing. I mean, it looks absolutely fantastic. Um, it, I've got a couple of smart watches, as you touched on the gear before, and things like that. And um, the, the thing that actually really strikes me about them is how how different outfits like Samsung. I think they've done a fantastic job with the gear. I've got the Sony smartwatch, which I think is is very good. It's it's not as good, and I've also got a um, Casio. G-Shock, the Bluetooth watch, mm. which is absolute crap. It, it, is, it, is the, it is useless. It loses its connection all the time. It's it's very limited. It's just not very good at all. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly quite excited about it. However, everything I've sort of read and heard about the whole Android Wear system so far doesn't sound that exciting. It's Yeah, sounds quite limited and everything... I've sort of read about they say it has a lot of potential but it's not there yet yeah and I guess that's what I felt and you know I'm not wearing any smart watches at, at the moment uh, which yeah is, pr- is probably a, a yeah a, a telling sign I guess um, that yeah I'm I'm not as as blown away as maybe I would have uh, you know hoped by some of the, some of these gadgets and yeah Android Wear to me I think has uh, yeah has a way to go before it's that sort of must wear uh, device and and accessory uh, yeah if watches ever get to that point to be fair because uh, I guess in most cases they're going to perform a subset of the capabilities of what the phone sitting in your pocket can do anyway on a much uh, much smaller screen. What do you what do you find uh, you appreciate most about um, the Galaxy Gear? I think it's, it's it's actually for me with doing a lot of car launches and the like. Doing as you would have seen today, we were technical presentations. Just the ability to mute the phone and just check notifications and so on without obviously going for your phone and in the middle of something that that's fantastic 
Um, other than that, to be completely honest, it is still largely just a toy. It's a gimmick. It's it's something that I I really get sucked into quite easily. I will admit, but um, yeah, there's still a way to go. I think the Android Wear has the most potential, probably out of most of them that I've seen. But um, yeah, I don't know at this stage. But they may just disappear overnight, or they may become an indispensable part of our our phones in the future. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I've actually I've had some good experiences to be fair with uh, with the Galaxy Gear, and uh, yeah, I had this situation when I was travelling. I was in Taipei, and uh, yeah, a call that I wouldn't have got to uh, if I, you know, with with my phone potentially, maybe you know, didn't notice it sort of buzzing in my pocket, but having it attached to my skin, yep, I got it, and you know, my uh, my credit cards and so on had, had been lost. I didn't know, and I got that alert, and we were able to you know sort it out and get them get them back before I flew out the next morning. So. Um, yeah, a pretty unusual circumstance, but yeah, you just never know when. Um, yeah, some of some of the uh, the benefits of uh, yeah, these alerts you can't really miss when it when it's you know uh, buzzing on on your skin like that. So yeah, it's I, I don't think it's these uh, the technology is com- completely worth writing off just yet. But I'm looking forward to really what the future is, and uh, also to seeing what the uh, the folks at Cupertino. Uh, come up with in the not too distant future, right? Um, now, also uh, on the the car related front, um, in some ways, is uh, news that we've heard out of uh, Germany this week from uh, from Daimler, and what we, what we've been uh, well, what, what we've read is that, uh, and this was reported uh, in Time magazine. Uh, that Daimler have an interesting solution uh, for those annoying out of office emails you get when you're uh, when you're on holiday, and they're offering uh, this to their staff. And uh, it's the option that when you're on holiday, anyone who emails you will have their email deleted, so you won't see it. Uh, it won't be in your inbox when you get back. Instead, what happens is they get an automatic reply saying, "Hey, you know, this person, you're you're away, you're on holiday." Pass your request on to somebody else, and they're alerted and, and told that it's actually been uh, deleted. So they need to attend to it another way. Good idea. Well, when I first heard about it, I thought, "Oh, don't know about that." But the more I think about it, the more it actually does make sense. I mean, uh, I've recently went over over to Rarotonga on holiday, and I spent so much of the time replying to emails that I should have just ignored, but I couldn't. Uh, this is almost like an enforced holiday, really, from emails, and I, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to say. I get anxious when I'm not getting emails, so maybe it'll make it worse. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it, it is a hard one. I, I uh, remember a holiday not too distant past in uh, in Samoa, and uh, being on the only on the Vodafone network at the time, uh, Vodafone with a one network that didn't have any uh, data service in uh, in Samoa, and it was actually really glorious to have a few days where I just didn't get any uh, any any communication. So uh, I, I can definitely see some upsides in that, and there is that whole uh, you know, interruption of our personal lives and 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 holidays with uh, with work communications, which in years gone by, uh, before we all had smartphones, it's just something that never never happened and. And, uh, you know, I think it can be quite hard to sort of wind down if you're constantly getting those communications. So I think, you know, there's there's two sides to it, but def- definitely some positive. 
Right, well, now, um, I guess what we might not have mentioned earlier is we're, we're in Melbourne at the moment. Um, Ford have been showing us some interesting uh, bits and pieces from them. Um, run us through what have been the, the highlights from uh, from your perspective so far. Well, certainly, I mean, two of the highlights, obviously, were the, the run-through of the new SYNC system, SYNC 2. That's a, a big advance in, in their sort of in-car Gadgetry tech. <laughs> Gadgetry tech, yeah, that's stuff. Um, of course, the other thing was the the whole um, immersive, what do they call it, forward immersive vehicle environment, the virtual reality sort of photorealistic. So that was that was absolutely fascinating, uh, and of course the drunk suit was a big. <laughs> now you put on, you put on the drunk suit. Now um, what what was this all about? What do you think the purpose of it? Was other than to um, yeah allow well I, mean, I guess the primary purposes for their uh, well yeah I mean you, you tell us what the experience was and then give us your impression of of uh, why why they need something to uh, to emulate what it's like to be uh, to be drunk. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, first off, I'm not entirely sure why they felt the need to emulate being drunk, but the fact is they strapped you up with a, a system of different weights on legs and arms to sort of throw you off balance. Um, they put uh, things around your, your elbows and knees to make mobility more difficult. Um, goggles that very, very accurately simulated the ability to not see straight. And um, earmuffs, I, I assume, just to isolate you a bit more from the outside world. And it was it was surprisingly like being very, very drunk indeed, uh, without the hangover afterwards, obviously. But um, yeah, again, as to the use, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure it obviously come from um, Ford previously have developed suits that that uh, simulate being elderly and being pregnant in order to sort of for the engineers to wear when they're planning out the cars and the unique problems that being old or pregnant presents but I'm not sure what value it would have being drunk however it was a very interesting exercise to uh, display how impaired you actually can be even if you think you're bulletproof and can drive yeah, well, it was certainly pretty entertaining to uh, to watch you, and 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 I, and I guess um, you know the, the Ford and and others are certainly yeah putting a lot of effort into you know safety features, things that avoid you yeah, crashing and so on. Uh, I, I don't think we're we're at the stage yet where uh, they're planning to encourage you to uh, drink and drink and drink and then uh, jump jump in the vehicle. Or uh, yeah, what was what was your impression on that? No, I think I think it was more just a uh, an opportunity to show yeah how impaired you actually are. But it was, it was I, I suggested to them that maybe they could invest the, the time and research into creating a suit that simulated being sober when you were drunk that might have more value for i don't <laughs> all right now um one of the other things that we uh, that we saw and uh yeah this is a, a good little uh technology inno- innovation um was the uh the uh, car um uh the seatbelt that uh Sort of a, a mini airbag, sort of built into the seatbelt for uh, for for rear seats, and understand that this is something where sort of Ford have been uh, leading the way on their first two uh, 
to launch this. Did you try it on? No, I didn't actually try it on. I did see it going off a couple of times. It's an interesting thing. I, I, it's something that I hadn't really ever thought about before, but certainly uh, using the, the inflatable airbag system to spread the the weight of impact across the, the body makes a lot of sense because um, particularly for rear seat passengers where they don't have the frontal airbag protection, there are probably quite a number of injuries caused by the seat belt. Um, Restricting. I mean, I know collarbones are particularly vulnerable to to damage from from a seatbelt and a, a large impact. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not something I had ever thought of before, but it's certainly very interesting technology, and it, it would seem to be relatively simple to roll out across at, at a fairly short time frame. Anyway, so it's yeah. Interesting. Now. Uh Looking at uh, Sync 2, you mentioned that before. Now, uh, yeah, Ford Sync originally rolled out in the US, and then it sort of yeah slowly come come into other markets like uh, you know New Zealand, uh, and well, fairly fairly recently actually with the original Ford Sync One. Now, I understand uh, yeah Ford is saying well, well Sync One's going to stay in market in some vehicles, and then there'll be you know presumably uh, at the topper end of the scale we'll see uh, Sync Two starting to roll out. They haven't confirmed. Time Time frames, uh, yeah, I, I guess we, you know we, we're, we're picking uh, yeah in the 2015 vehicles that we would uh, we would imagine we would uh, uh, probably see this, uh, but it seems to be a nice uh, nice step for the the big touch screen uh, rather than the the little sort of screen in the background that was there before. Um, the voice control seemed to work pretty well actually from uh, my experience. I mean there were a whole bunch of us in this um, in their in their testing lab today and they had a um, what did they call it they called it a breadboard which you know they're basically um, you know a, a, a massive electronics board for anyone that's that's ever sort of played around with electronics and sort of you know wired up uh, wired up things in it but it, you know they've got this sort of uh, um, a car frame of, of sorts but really just for wiring up all the all the bits and pieces that tie together and uh, there was a lot of noise around with people talking and so on and I jumped in and, and gave it some testing and uh, yeah nine times out of ten it, it understood and uh, and and worked very well uh, nice voice controlled navigation which I think is is something that most of us don't have any access to today uh, in a particularly easy manner whether it's through a smartphone or, or through our existing vehicles I you know, I think that's something that'd be particularly helpful I, I certainly um, you know, appreciate any sort of voice control uh, within the car that helps me sort of stay stay safe um, is that that's something sort of a standout for you I certainly think the navigation was was something very special. I haven't really seen that before in a car. Um, It it may well be out there, but it's not something I've really come across. And it it seemed to work very well indeed. Um, As I say, I was watching you use it today, and yeah, there was a lot of noise. There was a lot of chatter going on behind you, and it seemed to really quite easily pick out your voice and do what you wanted. I've never had much luck with voice recognition systems, personally. Um, I know we were talking a couple of years ago with with 40 engineers over and I think it was a launch in Europe somewhere and they actually admitted to us that the the New Zealand and Australian accent were the hardest for them to nail for voice recognition. So I'm probably a particularly bad example of that because I'm a very lazy speaker and sort of look away while I'm talking half the time too, which doesn't help. But um, this one certainly seemed... A, a notch above 
anything else I have used personally. Um, the last sync system is very good, but it was actually strangely easy to forget about. Uh, I think it's probably because it had that tiny, tiny little screen that was hard to read and you, you sort of didn't tend to think of it, whereas this one with the new touch screen and the way it was split into four separate divisions for, what was it, um, navigation, audio, climate and phone, and they were all visible at the same time, was yeah, a touch of genius, actually. It was something I haven't really seen in a car before. You can access all that information at the same time. Yeah, it did seem very, very intuitive, didn't it? It was, uh, you know, they'd they'd actually, you know, stripped away some of the features that were in Sync One that they've, you know, they found just weren't weren't really relevant, and people weren't using, for instance, you know, video playback, uh, and they've, you know, they've, they've focused in on actually what you would use on a regular basis. Um, the climate control maybe you're less likely to use because usually it's pretty easy to reach out and you know touch the buttons to uh, bump temperature up and up and down but you know other than that i think uh pretty good experience overall Hmm. that's sort of the issue i've had with a lot of voice control systems in the past is that they tend to to almost go unnecessarily complicated to do something very simple like changing the the track on the stereo pushing a button on the steering wheel saying next track is two steps where pushing a button on the stereo to skip to the next track is, is one. The same with changing the, the um, temperature and the climate control, but something like navigation that is actually, I mean, a lot of manufacturers block out the navigation while the car's moving, so you actually have to pull over and put, this, and put the thing yourself. Other manufacturers don't. They just make you agree that if you die doing that, that's your fault and you won't sue them. Um, so certainly the voice control for navigation, I think, is just an absolutely fantastic innovation. And, um, yeah, providing it, it understands enough people, I think it'll be a really, really big, big positive point for Ford in the future. Cool. Now um, there were there were a couple of interesting sort of little driving bits that we saw today for the for the first time uh, from Ford was their uh, perpendicular park assist. So they've they've had parallel parking assist uh, for a while that basically you know spins the steering wheel tells you tells you what to do with your your gears and your foot pedal. So you know you still do that uh, that piece yourself. Um, but it makes it very easy for you to sort of slide into a park and then um, the cross traffic alert which. Is designed for when you're in a car park and maybe you're reversing out, uh, and you can't always see whether there's somebody sort of, you know, uh, coming coming through towards you, and uh, it it sort of is keeping its eye out basically to see whether um, whether you know, as you reverse out and you can't actually maybe see to the left or to the right or either direction, um, it's going to give you alert if uh, if someone someone's coming. Um, that seems like a helpful sort of feature, not a situation where I've ever reversed into someone so it's probably not going to um you know save a whole lot of crashes but if it saves you on one that makes it pretty valuable suddenly doesn't it yeah look i mean it's probably not going to save lives but it certainly takes a lot of the anxiety out of backing out of a parking space if you've got vans either side of you or something like that recently i had a um, holden commodore that had the cross traffic alert similar system built into it and it was um, it was not something I really thought about, but it was amazing how quickly you came to to really trust it and rely on it, and it, it's it's just about making life easier basically, and that, that's what a lot of these systems are about. The perpendicular park assist, I, I'm not so convinced over. I mean, if, if 
you can't get a car into a perpendicular parking space, then there's probably a lot more issues about your driving that you should be worried about, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it all makes life a little bit easier. And it's, it's certainly fascinating technology. And the beauty of it is it uses the existing parking sensors and the, the power steering pumps. and everything. Well, it's all electric power steering, of course, so there's no pumps involved. But it's not something that's a great deal of extra equipment has to go into the car. So why not? It helps. If it helps people, as the um, lead designer of the uh, system today said, he's a terrible parker himself. Um, he likes it because it makes it look like he can park his car. That's that's great. If it makes him feel better, then great. Use it. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I guess there uh, yeah there there are all sorts of people that drive vehicles, and uh, yeah, these features don't have to apply to uh, to all of us. Now, uh, one last thing that uh, that was a, a bit of fun and and uh, reasonably unique from what I could tell um, was something that Ford were calling uh, five which was um, this uh, sort of virtual reality system that uh, that Ford use in sort of their prototyping uh, um, and designing stage of their vehicles. Now, they've, they've originally started with one of these in, uh, in their US uh, R&D centre, and they've got one other in the world, and that's um, here at their R&D centre in, uh, in Melbourne. And we had a good play around with, with that. You were the first to, uh, to jump in. Share uh, share the experience. It was it was actually once we got the the headset to actually fit my head properly so I could see out of it. It was it was an absolutely fascinating experience because um, I mean quite I don't know about you but when I first walked into that room I was actually quite disappointed. I, I think I was expecting some massive Star Wars auditorium with all you know holodeck type thing, but uh, it was just a, a square black small room that was slightly larger than a car and it, it but um yeah once you got that headset on and it was just uh, it took a while to get used to it obviously but you could go you could stick your head into the engine if you wanted to and look at the inside of the engine which was the most fascinating part at one stage i looked down i found myself standing in the middle of the bonnet and it, it was it was slightly unsettling because it was so photorealistic it, it felt like i was literally standing in the middle of a car but um, it's certainly something that I can, you know, by talking to all the guys there today, what they use it for, it's, uh, as I think one of them said to me, it actually is a lot more work for them up front, but what it saves them down the line before they've even made a prototype car, they can change the, well, they can change anything really, and it, it just saves them so much effort and cost down the line, it's not funny. Yeah, I thought it was it was fascinating because we see these things like Oculus Rift, you know, few hundred dollar item uh you know a few weeks ago it was uh the google cardboard where you could actually you know take take your android phone and uh you know attach sort of hold it up to your face and sort of get this uh yeah 3d type uh type view uh but it was yeah it was interesting to see that technology used for for a very specific sort of business you know purpose and yeah obviously yeah building Building prototypes is a pretty expensive thing, and especially if you're finding a whole lot of issues that you then have to go back and rebuild, redo them. So, um, yeah, giving them that early access to be able to really get inside what they've designed on the computer and uh, 
try it out in so many ways. Pretty interesting. Now, a couple of interesting facts. The headset that they were using uh, that we both wore today, they said $25,000 items, so uh, uh, not cheap, but uh, yeah, obviously pays for itself. And the, uh, the computing power um, was pretty phenomenal. Uh, the, uh, the they had four computers that were driving this stuff. Uh, one of the ones we looked at, 128 gigs of RAM. Uh, two, I think they were um, eight core uh, or 12 core Xeons, and uh, 12 gigs of video RAM on a Nvidia K6000, which is a pretty uh, pretty powerful sort of computing uh, platform, much more than uh, uh, most would have. But it created a really uh, a pretty fluid experience, didn't it? I mean, there was a there was a slight delay from when you turn your head and and moved around and so on. But yeah, you were basically able to get in and look at any single part of that car inside or out. Uh, and it was able to uh, to map it, and as you say, you could actually, um, you know, the, the the there was the seat, the steering wheel, and so on, you know, physically there that that uh, that you sat at, but then you could get up and get out and put your head inside the motor or, uh, you know, under the wheels and 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 so on. So a pretty uh, pretty unique experience, right? Oh, absolutely. It was it was. I mean, it's not the sort of thing you get to do every day. I mean, even just getting to see the inside of those design studios and places like that. I mean, as you know, we had to hand our cell phones in and we had to have tags on our cameras saying that we were allowed to be there and just to, to be allowed inside this is a, a very, very rare experience. But um, I think the thing that really sort of drove it home to me today was when they showed us the, the um, rendering of what they could do two years ago, which looked like, um, I don't know, a PlayStation 2 racing game or Grand Theft Auto or something like that compared to what they can do now which is absolutely photorealistic uh, even down to the different light reflections and the different locations they could put the car in and um, it yeah it, it staggered me to be honest I wasn't expecting it to be as realistic as it appeared to be. Yeah, no, it was very good, and I guess with the you know the way that uh, computing power increases so quickly, uh, you know what they had in there, and yeah, obviously cost them you know I don't know how many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars to you know to get that whole uh, you know setup established, but uh, you know with the reduction in computer and cost of computing and so on, uh, this is the sort of thing that. That you know, any manufacturer in the future would uh, uh, would be able to afford if we uh, we you know we step forward a few years. But uh, yeah, right now it's um, it's pretty unique, and yeah, as you say, it's, it was uh, it was pretty special to look at that. And some of the other things that we were uh, uh, shown today at their R and D centre, which yeah, as I said, is not normally ever seen. Uh, yeah, other than by sort of unique few on on their team. So uh, yeah, quite. Uh, Quite a fascinating experience, and uh, yeah, great to see. I guess the varying ways in which technology is getting used uh, within the audio within the audio industry, and I and I guess it certainly you know sparked to me a, you know, a few ideas for uh, um, yeah new ways that technology might might be used in other fields. Well, I think that's us for uh, for this episode. So thanks very much, Damien, for uh, for joining me. Now, um, those who are wanting to to track down uh, yeah, some of what you write, some of what you do online. Are you on social media or um, or, or where, where else should we track you down? Oh, look, we're everywhere, absolutely everywhere. The website's called oversteer.co.nz, um, Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, just trying to think of all the others. It's all Oversteer NZ, all one word. Um, yeah, we're just we. I say we. I am the only one that writes for it, but um, the editorial we. We're all over the place. Um, also, every Saturday in the Herald, I contribute the Good Oil feature, which uh, is a sort of a light-hearted look at the week in motoring. It's a bit of fun. So yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, no, thank, well, thank you very much for, uh, uh, for coming on. It's, uh, really, really good to get your, uh, your perspectives and, and your input both, you know, on, on what's been happening, uh, been happening here, uh, in Melbourne from, uh, from Ford and, uh, across the other things. And, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, uh, twist your arm to have you back on the, the show again at uh, another time in the future. Um, and of course, uh, Yep, we will look out for uh, for, your, for your work online. Uh, anyone that wants to uh, keep in touch with the NZ Tech Podcast, we're at nztechpodcast.com uh, and also on, on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch me on Twitter at Paul Spain. Um, and be sure, if you're interested in, in hearing other uh, good local New Zealand podcasts, uh, visit podcasts.co.nz for, uh, for more content. All right, thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. See ya.